When peace, like a river, attended my way, when sorrows like sea, billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Tammy. And Lord, haste today when the faint shall be sighed. The clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound, miles, and the Lord shall descend. Pray. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. One more time. Since you heard from me last, I've been traveling the globe to the uttermost, the guttermost, hither and yonder, and I've been counseling a lot of people. The masses are found in varying degrees and persuasions of pain, and it ain't so well. Since I was last before my home church, which is this church, Fielder, many of you have uh, not even been aware that I am a part. <laughs> I learned that that was a Magda Gerges, a friend of David and Ferdy, who played tennis with me, who on the eve of her birthday was found non-responsive, not well. Another friend's wife left him for another man. 
Somebody say, not well. Yeah. Many lost loved ones during this year of 2021 and from last year, 2020, not just to that dreaded COVID, but to other extenuating circumstances, and it is not well. This is the first season they've tried to celebrate in the absence of their dearly beloved, not so well. Uh, some whose kids have walked away from the family's faith. It's caused them to have blood-curdling nightmares. That's not how we trained little Bequita and Biff. Trained them in the way they should go so when they were old, they wouldn't depart from such teaching. And now they're out there doing any and everything, looking for love. Y'all know Bequita and Biff? All the wrong. It ain't well with the household's soul. A buddy of mine lost his home to foreclosure during the holiday. Not well. Friend fired from a much-needed job. Not well. My mom, depressed after the death of my father in April, and she actually acknowledged for the first time in my history of knowing the woman who birthed me that she was in a deep darkness. Couldn't muster energy to get up. Not well. Some have had marital unequal yoke. Don't you look at him and her. Blink at me if on your row. <laughs> the struggle is fresh and close. Don't you look. Don't turn. Blink at me. If there's a crisis of faith, you're disenchanted. You came to church to give it another try. You're mad because of what happened last week at this church. They didn't speak to you in the facilities. And I just need to serve men notice that ain't where we have a conversation. In the That's a whole nother sermon. Let me come back to the fact that this is a community of faith. This is a gathering that you've heard from our campus, Pastor Larry Dan, ought to be home. But for a lot of people, you feel on the outside looking in. And it's not well. But with all that I've shared thus far, I found an author of a book that acquaints me with our assignment for today. Louis Giglio writes, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And I love this little treatise. It's not the Bible. It's extra biblical. It's something that you might want to put in your library. It's a treasure. But don't give the enemy a seat at your table has a profound statement in the very introductory section. Louis Giglio says, be grateful for the storms in your life. Why? They reveal who your true friends are. Now you can look down your row. <laughs> Be grateful. I posted this on my social media because I thought it was very profound and someone honestly responded, storms don't only reveal who your friends are, they reveal who you truly are. Let the church say ouch. There you go, right there. Because <laughs> Giglio's book was birthed the moment he decided to start a church. The place where we ought to congregate and have kumbaya moments. And Guglio penned this treatise, don't give the enemy a seat at your table, because he tried to embark on a journey of church planting. And he was warned by someone that this will be the hardest thing you've ever done. Anybody ever been challenged and you bow up? Anybody, somebody say, you ain't going to make it. You want to say, what? You draw a line in the sand and put your dukes up, and you're like, watch me. Where are my tennis players at? You have been challenged that you ain't going to make it through this tournament. You know, watch this. In fact, there's somebody in here 
who's uttered the five last words of a redneck. Hold my beer, watch this. <laughs> I know that ain't easy on the ear for y'all to hear me say black as I am, but the truth will set you free. <laughs> and I might not be invited back to my own church, but the challenge in the word is that Giglio found what is described as building a kingdom family called the local church out of a ragtag tribe of mostly strangers. And you know what that does? It unearths difficulty. You ever tried to get along with somebody who's not get alongable? You sat next to them and the quills came out, porcupine-itis, and they double-dog dare you to sit in their locale. I was at a church, guest preaching, and I know that there are sacred cows, there are territorial locales. You don't sit in Nana's spot because she whittled it out of her own tree and then built it into the sanctuary. And so I don't sit in those sections. I'm watching. I know, Carlo, I know that there's some place you don't even tamper. So I sit at the way back. I'm at the back of the church, up against the wall, and a child about yay tall came up to me and mean mugged me. And I was like, what's the problem? You in my seat. I'm against the wall at the back of the church. And it turns out that was the pastor's daughter. So it was a long lunchtime when she saw I was the one that was called to the pulpit. We went to lunch, and I started mean mugging. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that to the baby. I'm just saying. Difficult when you gather people together to try to get along. And in this church start of Louis, Louis Giglio's, he learned that people get intense. People become really frustrated. People can be bitter. People can be frustrated. There's a degree more than once where Giglio said, I'm not sure if I want to embark on this thing called church life. I'm ready to throw in the towel. It was not well with his soul. But he's not alone because I have to serve you notice. If you've ever tried to herd cats, that's not an easy test. You ever try to push a rope? Touch your name and say you're supposed to pull a rope. Help somebody in this congregation understand that. You ever try to lead Baptists? How many Baptists does it take to put in a light bulb? Here's the answer. You need a committee on a committee, about a committee, to nominate a committee, to talk about uh, what wattage and uh, what size light to put in the vote. I be Baptist, so don't send any mail to fill the church. What he talking about? Because it doesn't matter if you're starting a church. You don't have to plan a church to discover life is hard, even in the holiday season. And maybe for some, harder now than it is at any other time of the year. Giglio notes that you will find tense circumstances where your mind plays tricks on you and you're heavy laden and you feel as if you're up under attack. There are times when you want to swing big and fight back or you want to just give up. So my sermon title asks the question, what do you do? The sermon title I'm going to give you asks the question, how do you win the battle of your mind? When, preacher? When you're at the point of what's the point? This will preach. Anybody? At the point of what's the point? Anybody been pushed so to the edge that if one more thing is put on your plate, you're going to lose your mind up in her, up in her? Just at the point of what is the point? 
Can I break it down? Because at the point of what the point is, it's a hurtful place. It's a, I want it to be cheerful and happy, 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 but I, can't, I got an assignment on me that, that I understand. And the challenge is that you've been abandoned. You feel falsely attacked. You feel accused. You feel defeated. You feel targeted. Someone in here is tempted. You've been in a lost place and sabotaged. And there is a mood swing. And your mind is stressed. And you've been weary from the endless conversations you had inside your own brain. And then you include friends into the conversation. <laughs> and you're trying to be heard and supported. And they're like, her. No, the time remember the and you're struggling through you've got conversations in staff meetings conversations in called meetings where the coffee is half drunk when you arrive conversations with co-workers family members you now have people at your house you can't wait to get back to their own dwelling place they're still around You've got conversations with accusers and betrayers and conversations where you're always trying to prove your innocence and expose your adversary and opponent's guilt. I know I'm talking down your street, knocking on your door. At the point of what the point is, is where you have found yourself in fear and despair. Anyone? You find yourself constantly looking over your shoulder and screening your text before you send the one you really wanted to send. Not this church, other churches I go to. Full of people that have curses and <laughs> expletives and you're ready to push sin and you ask somebody to read your little note before you email it. And then you recognize that, don't you send that. We all are gonna be put in time out. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're feeling as if someone's out to get you. You're struggling with your emotions, thinking you were at one time stronger than you feel you've been reduced to in this season. Never thought you'd lower yourself to what you despise until the wrong button was pushed. At the point of what's the point. It's the place you find yourself seeking allies. You look for someone, anyone who sees things your way, right, wrong, indifferent. You gravitate toward anyone who will hear your side of the story and commiserate with you. I have a question I got to re-ask. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? How do you win the battle of your mind when you're at the point of what's the point? I found the answer. Psalm 23. You've been asking, is he going to get the scripture? Psalm 23. You've been wondering, is this really a sermon? Psalm 23. You're trying to stay cheerful because this is the season to be jolly? Psalm 23. What does the word of the living God say when you're at the point of what's the point and you're grappling with what do I do in my mind? How do I overcome what's been robbing me of rest? Here it is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures, Jared. Leads me beside the still waters. Restores my soul. You want me to open my Bible to it? He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of Arlington, Texas, I won't fear. For God is with me. His rod, his staff comforts me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil till my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord, not Christmas, Mother's Day and Easter, but forever. Oh, that's a shouting point where I come from. 
not just sometimes every now and then, but I can dwell in the presence of the Most High King of Kings, Lord God strong and mighty. Who is this King? The Lord God mighty in battle forever and ever. Amen. That's the word of God. But I want to concentrate on nine words within all of those words. It, it's what Giglio discovered. It's what I've discovered. But it's what God has championed for us to be hearers only. No. To become on this Sunday, at this time, on this afternoon, doers of the word. Nine words. Say nine words. These are revolutionary. Nine words. Say nine words. These must be grasped and hidden in our hearts so we refuse to sin another nanosecond against God. Nine words, here they are, and that's this. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. You got a choice. Choose today who you're going to serve. Will it be God, self, or man around you? I got the choice, and I made it my business. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Nine words. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. I hope that resonates. I hope that sinks in. Why? Because you have to push past your annoyance that that's the answer. You wanted something that was more gritty. You wanted, can I choke them out? You wanted something that you can utilize. Can I just lose this foot and karate kick to the throat? No. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Can I buy him out? Can I renegotiate? Can I change the narrative? The Bible says nine words. And I want you to understand that you can get beyond your circumstance and dilemma and situation when this sinks in. Check your heart honestly this Sunday. Check your heart and go through inventory and ask yourself, have I given the enemy a seat at my table? How did you act on your way to church? For real, for real. Did I give the enemy a seat at my table? Somebody was in your road, they didn't say excuse me, and they walked over you in this sanctuary and you're still mean mugging them? Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Hurry up, Mike. Here's Genesis 4-7. The word says, all sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and master it. Stop allowing the things of darkness to win the war over the light that ought to shine and order your steps in the Lord. I know, baby, I'm trying to tell the people, but they just ignore me. And here's the challenge. You've got the opportunity to do what Scripture says. Subdue and put under your feet what has been mastering you. You don't have to have 17 bowls of bluebell ice cream. Three helpings of banana pudding? Okay, come on. How many right now? All you took to the family gathering was Tupperware and foil. <laughs> if that's you, raise your hand so I can rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you don't bring nothing to the family gathering but a to-go plate. The scripture says that you have some things you've got to understand, you've got to acknowledge, you must believe, and you must know. Here they are. Number one, people are not your problem. That's the first thing. How do I deal with my mind? How do I overcome? How do I use the nine words to not give the enemy a seat? Know this, understand this, acknowledge and believe people are not your 
problem. Now, here's what you must also be aware of. People were involved in being the problem. Look around and see who's guilty. But they're not the ones where you part. Because to help me with Psalm 23, there is an Ephesians 6:12, and the scripture says, not any of us are wrestling against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of wickedness in heavenly places are out to sift you as wheat, break you in half, crumble your perspective, dash your dreams, throw water on your fire. The word says you're not fighting the people on your row. You're really, they've been involved, but you're really dealing with the adversary, Satan, the devil, Lucifer himself. Therefore, the weapons of our warfare ought not to be worldly. They cannot be carnal. Stop giving people a piece of your mind because you don't have enough to give away. Stop using the things that this earth offers you. You can't buy your yourself out of the thing that you've sown as deception in your life. Your name written on a bathroom stall for a good time call has caused you to have a reputation and you cannot outrun it. You cannot chase it and erase it. Only the spirit of the living God who's in this place can lead you beside calm waters. What are you saying? The weapons you fight with is God power instead of trying to fix people. How's that work for you? You gotta know, you can pull down and demolish strongholds, demonic spirits. This God has a method, and 1 Corinthians 1.27 helps me with Ephesians 6.12, which helps me with Psalm 23. 1 Corinthians 1.27, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound and shame those who think they got good sense and are wise. You ever try to tell somebody who knows it all? how to do a thing. And then when I was your age, I used to walk barefoot in the snow, uphill, one way. Really, mom? <laughs> Come on, dad, for real, <laughs> you did that. You try to tell somebody who knows it all how to get a breakthrough. And I'll never forget, I saw a prophetess and she was giving information over a video. You, beloved, go to your mailbox. In two days, you're gonna be able to find the breakthrough you need. You're gonna have monies from God. And, money from heaven and money, and her engine light was flashing on the video she did in her car. And I was saying to the prophetess who couldn't hear me, turn around, look at your engine light. You're telling me I'm gonna have a breakthrough and your car just broke down. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. I'll get back to my assignment. People are not the problem. And number B, the second point, God is not your problem. I'm trying to help because we've been fighting each other. We've been internally going to war. We've been blaming people. I would like to blame my mama for dropping me three times as a child, but that's not where the buck stops. I like to blame the president. He ain't conscious of nothing. I don't like what's going on in God. That's not the problem. I like to blame my institution of higher learning for losing the game on yesterday that should I have put on a uniform, I'd have helped him. You can't run, can't throw a football. <laughs> Get back, Mike. God is not your problem. When I revert to thinking I'm at the point of what's the point, my heavenly father is not the one who has made me afraid and paranoid. Where can you find that in scripture? I found it. Because the word of God says this in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion. He's the God of decency and order. So lean close. If there's drama and chaos in your life, that ain't God. 
You used to put that in the phrase, whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, let him know that ain't God. The stuff that you've been letting sink in and be a part of what cripples and paralyzes you, that ain't God. The God I serve has let it be known no weapon formed against us will ever be able to prosper. And if you're going through hell and high water, understand, acknowledge, you need to know, you need to believe that God did not bring you to the place of war. And I know you're asking, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Can y'all help me preach? Turn to somebody and say, because you're not that good. Only one is good. His name is Jesus, son of the living God. Wounded for my transgression. Bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement that brings me peace was upon him. And the scripture says it's by his stripes that today at the point of what's the point, I could be healed. By his presence made perfect where I'm weak, I'm able to mount up on wings of eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not. For anybody being helped today, stop making people your problem. And stop shaking your fist at God because you've been always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Maybe it was your attitude that kept you from having a significant other. I'm hearing the word and I find that the harmful thoughts come from someone in some place else and it's not from God. So Giglio says in his testimony about starting a church, the enemy had taken a seat at his table and he was allowing himself to listen to a killer. This is vital. This is important. Stop giving place to your adversary. You've been setting yourself up to listen to a killer. He kills your dreams. He kills your hope. He kills your marriage. He kills your parenting. He kills relationship. And all he's up to is to steal, kill, and why should I not let him sit down? He doesn't need any new tricks because all the old ones are still working on you. I refuse on this Sunday morning to give a seat to the one who means me no good. Am I by myself? I wonder if somebody would draw a line in the sand and say, not today, Satan. I wonder if someone would stand toe-to-toe with your adversary and say, that ain't God. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh in this place and enable me to know something about your word. I have a choice concerning what I let get under my skin and tarry in my thoughts. The enemy knows just the right buttons to push. Have you seen the tailor-made sin? The tailor-made pressure? I I know you don't have a struggle with cotton candy, but send me to the donut hut and I'm getting five dozen. Your thing may not be my thing, and the enemy tailor-makes what's coming to cripple you, and you've got to make a resolute nine-word stand. I will take my table back because I'm not giving the enemy a seat at my table. Say this with me. I'm taking. Oh, y'all already beat me to the punch. I like that over here. It's hot in that section. They didn't let me even finish the set. I'm taking my table back. And that's your authority based on the God who is dwelling in you richly. And he said, greater am I in you. And if God before you, 
Oh, we say it real good. We sing it with Reggie, and then Reggie gets excited, and we start. Even with a cold, Reggie would come in here. He'll make the whole house start to doorpost shake. And we need to not just live vicariously. We need to live on the promises of God. Let me give you this. I got to go. But here is the challenge. How can I move on? So glad you asked me. We got a good shepherd. And the good shepherd teaches us that, yea, though you walk through the valley, you don't have to fear because I'm with you. He prepares a table before you. He doesn't remove your enemies. He lets them swarm around. But the good news is God will do something that is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I'm here and I found it to help from another book. And it's the story of the Siberian tiger. I got to go. But the Siberian tiger is one of the kings of the Russian forest. The Siberian tiger is so bad it can leap 25 feet through the air and can leap over basketball goals. Siberian tiger was found by Vladimir Markov in Russia, and because poverty was so intense, the payoff for fighting the tiger was worth trial. Here's the thing, you don't want to run into a fearsome predator in the territory, it's marked as its killing field, the Siberian tiger. But here, Markov went on the attack, shot the tiger, and the tiger ran into the bush mad. Then watch Markov take the prey that the tiger was eating on. The tiger waited two days, stalking. And when he found Markov, he jumped out the bush and killed the man, which was uncharacteristic of the Siberian tiger. And then it went on a rampage and humans in the vicinity were chillingly, premeditatively, like a vigilante, stalked and killed. This tiger was so upset, it was not for hunger, it was for revenge. And then they had to call on Yuri Trush to come after the tiger, and he was a superhuman against a super tiger, and in the midst of the skirmish, the tiger leaped at Yuri, and Yuri made one swift shot, killed the tiger. What's the story about? to help me with Psalm 23 when I'm at the point of what's the point. Here's the story, this amazing true story of a man, Yuri Trush, against a beast, reminds us of the enemy of our soul, the raging tiger slash lion who stalks us. His memory is long, his revenge knows no bounds, but the Son of God became a man, stalked him, and defeated the tiger slash lion at the cross. Y'all better help me. There's nothing more dangerous than a wounded beast, but we have no need to fear because I know the God who causes the enemy who roars loud to be defanged, declawed, and put on God's leash. Today is the day of Thanksgiving. Today is the day to know that God will hush the beast unless you allow a seat at the table. What do I do if today you're tired of your life and you're tired of giving the enemy room? I bid you the challenge to be those who enable this to truly be home. Stop making man your issue. God, your struggle, and be one who knows a good shepherd who's defanging and declawing what has caused you woe. As a brother here today, Joe Brown, and he said to me, and I close, one man recently heard me receiving a tailor-made message as much as the enemy brings a tailor-made sin and attack.
And the message said to him, if God means more to me, it's because I've meant more to God. And today, he coupled it with every handshake and every hello has made it well with my soul. And if today you're going to determine that you're not going to allow the enemy a seat at your table, you're going to flip from making men the problem to be the agent of transformation and change that lets every handshake and every hello change the scope of church. It becomes well with your soul. That's our assignment. Nine words gives us a mindful perspective to let every handshake and every hello speak life. So what do we do about it? If you're at the point of what's the point, I'm asking every pastor to come down to the altar. Every pastor in the room, come on down. Because someone is here and you're at the edge of collapse. You're at the edge of frustration. You're at the edge and point where you don't think you'll be able to manage sanity. You're, you're there. I know. And God is saying, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden. And now I'll make it well with your soul and give you rest. I'll lead you beside still waters. The table is prepared even while the enemy swarm to know that he's the defanging, declawing agent of transformation. So these leaders are here, but what do I do? Rise, come forward, ask them, pray with me. I cannot continue. It's been a good day. Good is the enemy of great. Come and attach to the great I am who will be with you through all hurt, harm, and danger. And then there's someone else. If you hate your life and you need a new one, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, to get where there's true peace. If your table has been an unwanted guest-inhabited place, you can come forward and take your table back. I'm trying to quit. My soul is happy. I should have been through, but I need you to understand if you want more in-depth counsel than you've been getting from the people you gravitate to commiserate with. There are folk who are going to love you, and they're going to challenge you today to leave changed like no other season in your life. Bow your heads, Father, as you give bold and urgent release. I pray that we will make it our business to get the handshake and hello that made coming to fill the church today well with our soul. May every encounter shift us in Jesus' name. As they lead us in worship, stand to your feet. But if you know you need someone to talk to, counsel with, pray with, and you don't know what to ask of God and what to do about your situation, don't wait till they start singing. Make your way to the altar now. If you need a relationship with Jesus, you've never acknowledged him as shepherd. He's a good shepherd. You've been trying to manage your stuff and lead your situation and change the world and it hadn't worked well. Come. Come. Don't leave. 
the way you came in. Obey his voice.